Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Dirt Show. We're now live both on Rumble and on uh, YouTube. And so you can watch it live at 5 30, and you can actually send me messages and questions um, as we're speaking so we can do it uh, in real time. Um, today, I'm going to continue the discussion about the mysterious settlement between um, Fox and, and Dominion. Uh, look, we'll never know the actual reasons for the settlement unless, you know, some of the lawyers decide to do tell-all memoirs. But I doubt that will happen because my strong suspicion is that the reason it was settled is that we didn't, we, the public, don't find out the whole truth. Um, a friend of mine who has access to people at Fox speculated, maybe it's a little bit more than speculation, as follows, that the judge had apparently ordered more disclosure of more emails and more confidential communications to be examined by a special master. And according to at least this source, although a lot of dirty laundry had already come out, uh, some of the emails and some of the phone messages, et cetera, that there was more and dirtier and maybe uh, Fox was willing to pay for silence. Will it really get silence or will this material be leaked? I think maybe you'll learn a little bit from Trump. Trump paid $130,000 to Stormy Daniels to keep her quiet. And then, of course, she sued him and he sued her and it became public. And uh, he's now uh, been indicted for failure to disclose the real reasons why he paid $130,000, you know. Um, uh, so, in today's America, it's awfully hard to count on secrecy, which is why it's so much better to live an open life. Um, in, in my case, uh, when I was sued and sued, um, I wanted nothing sealed. I want everything out in the open because I have nothing to hide. And I don't want anybody to think I have anything to hide. So I waived every one of my rights, my lawyer-client privilege, my confidentiality privilege, you know, privacy, spousal privilege, nothing to hide. I want everything to go out there. I want every videotape, everything to be shown. I don't think Fox is quite in that position. I'm, I'm not sure. There's one other way we may find out what the real story is, because I don't think we know the real story. There may be a stockholder's derivative suit. Uh, it would not surprise me if some shareholders um, went to their lawyers and said, look, they spent my money. I'm a shareholder. They spent, uh, you know, three quarters of a billion dollars. Um, you know, obviously they'll claim, well, that helped our stock, that helped the company. It was done for good reasons, uh, but uh, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Um, we'll, we'll see if there's, if there are any lawsuits that may disclose the inner workings of the the legal team also lawyers talk you never know i hear all kinds of gossip especially when lawyers are criticized they tend to talk and so a lot of people have been critical of the lawyers for recommending 
uh, a settlement in the case. And um, I'm sure there are going to be lawyers who will say, look, don't blame me. It was Murdoch or don't blame me. You don't know what was in those emails. Uh, if you knew what I knew, you'd have come to the same conclusion I'd come to. I've, I've heard those stories over and over and over again, because in the end, no, nobody's ever really, really totally happy when they settle a case. Well, Dominion is very happy. They had a windfall. Uh, there's no way, no way they suffered three quarters of a billion dollars worth of damages. What's their losses? A couple of contracts may have been uh, canceled at the beginning was it based on Fox? Was it based on uh, general suspicions? Uh, who knows? Uh, and then the judge made findings in favor of, um, of Dominion and um, uh, essentially said um, that Dominion's machines work perfectly. And so you'd think Dominion benefited from, from everything that happened. Um, the real loser was Fox. Fox um, lost money, lost audience members. Uh, I got a number of uh, messages today from people saying we won't listen to Fox uh, anymore uh, because they didn't do right by us. Well, I think probably people will listen to them and probably Fox will recover the three quarters of a billion dollars uh, over time. Who knows? Um, dollars are fungible. And so you never know whether an expenditure like that uh, was worth it. Uh, there are often situations where settlements are paid. I've been involved in some of them and the stock goes up immediately, but then yeah, a couple of weeks it goes down. So you never know for absolute, absolute sure. Did Donald Trump have anything to do with this settlement? I think he did, not directly, but I think Trump derangement syndrome and Trumpitis uh, infects the atmosphere. I think it infects every single judicial decision involving anything related to Donald Trump. And of course, this directly relates to Donald Trump. What's the defamation? The defamation, the alleged defamation, is that Fox had people on um, uh, who said that the election was stolen uh, and that uh, Biden was not the legitimate president and that Trump was the legitimate president. So that issue would have permeated uh, any trial in Delaware. And I would bet you that a very, very tiny percentage of Delaware residents, and I bet you an even smaller percentage of Delaware jurors believe that and would want to render a decision that they thought might in some way redound to the benefit of Donald Trump. Consciously, unconsciously, we're not sure we know how the mind works in situations like this. But I would bet you that the lawyers who made the recommendation and the people who accepted the recommendation were thinking about Donald Trump. We're thinking about how attitudes toward Trump may affect judicial decisions, both by judges, by jurors, and by appellate uh, courts. And I certainly would have uh, taken that into consideration. And I suspect that Trump's current lawyers are now saying to themselves, you know, this settlement doesn't seem like a settlement based on a pure cost benefit uh, analysis. Uh, there's no way a jury would have rendered a verdict giving them three quarters of a billion dollars. Even a biased jury would not give uh, Dominion that kind of a windfall. 
uh, maybe 30 or $40 million. I don't think they would have given them a hundred million. And here they got what, 700 uh, or more million. And um, without really uh, a strong demonstration of damages that would in any way justify that kind of a settlement. So there's more at stake here. There's more involved than, than merely um, the payment of this amount of money. And as I said yesterday, and I've said it in, in print today too, I think I could have won this appeal. I think any good lawyer would have a very, very good chance of ultimately getting a verdict in favor of Dominion reversed on appeal. Uh, the judge made so many mistakes, uh, fundamental mistakes. Uh, he denied essentially Fox any opportunity to put forward a defense. He made a finding of fact. He said, I know that there are tens of millions of Americans who think the election was stolen and who think Dominion's machines may have contributed to the stealing of the election. I know there are lots of people who think that, but I don't think it. And therefore, I'm going to find as a fact that it wasn't true. Well, no, Your Honor, read the Seventh Amendment. The Seventh Amendment leaves those kinds of issues to a jury, not to a judge. It's a question of fact, a disputed question of fact. It may not be disputed in your mind. It's not disputed in my mind. But those are not the criteria. The criteria is, could a reasonable jury find that maybe there was some, if not absolute truth, relative truth, to some of the claims, uh, and that should be based on evidence and expert testimony and an analysis of the machines themselves and whether they were capable of being hacked, whether they were hacked. I don't think they were hacked. I don't know whether they're capable of being hacked. I suspect any counting machine is capable of being hacked, and I would like to hear expert testimony on that. And I think I've told you I've actually written a small part of a brief in another case in which in which we argue that when the government delegates an important governmental function, what could be more important than counting votes in a presidential election other than waging war? I think it's the most important thing a, a, a government is supposed to do, count votes accurately. And when the government delegates that responsibility to a private for-profit company owned by a bunch of, you know, equity people in, in New York, um, they're they're not able, as a matter of law, to assert business privacy. They're the government, and they should be as transparent as the government, and the court didn't hold that. I think that issue was very substantial, very substantial on appeal. And then, of course, there's a the whole issue of um, actual malice. Now, you know, who knows if the court would have taken the case, and if they did, maybe they would have ruled Therefore, in, in, in favor of, um, of uh, dominion, uh, if, if the issue were actual malice. But once the Supreme Court takes a case, you just never know how it's going to decide. You never know what issues um, will motivate it. Uh, I've seen cases where the Supreme Court has accepted certiorari on one theory, uh, asking the, the clients, uh, the lawyers, to brief an issue. And then they decided on a completely different ground. That happened to me in one in one case, which we eventually won. But um, 
the court decided it on a ground that was not um, uh, particularly in, in front of it. That happened in in the Roe versus Wade overruling. Uh, the issue on which certiorari was granted was whether Mississippi's 15-week limitation on abortion is constitutional. And then they decided that Roe versus Wade uh, should be overruled, not necessary, not essential to the decision of the case. So once the nine justices uh, take the case, you just never know how it's going to come out. And so, you know, if if um, if Fox had asked me uh, or any other very experienced appellate lawyer, what are the odds on winning and losing this case? You know, again, I haven't studied every aspect of the case. I haven't seen all the discovery. Based on what I've seen, I would say you got a pretty good shot at eventually winning this case, either a trial on the issue of actual malice, even though you have a judge who's clearly been ruling against you over and over again. But if not, uh, on at trial, uh, on, on the first appeal to the Third Circuit, which is a very reasonable uh, and, and, and highly regarded court, and if not then, to the United States Supreme Court. The United States Supreme Court probably would have taken this case. It involves, after all, a major network, a presidential election. It's the kind of case that the Supreme Court would probably have taken. So again, the case was not settled on a pure cost-benefit analysis, analyzing the likelihood of winning, how much you would lose if you lost, how much you have to pay to settle. It just isn't explicable on that ground. Something else is involved. And it's Donald Trump again. It's Donald Trump. It's the whole get Trump mentality. Um, you know, this book, Get Trump, is not only about prosecuting Donald Trump in, in New York. It goes through all of the cases involving Donald Trump. But it also deals with the atmosphere that's been created by the get Trump mentality. If you think Delaware is immune from that, Let's remember who lives in Delaware, who is Delaware's great son. He happens to be living in the White House at this point in time. Uh, he used to travel back and forth on the train. I remember seeing him once when he was uh, a senator. He would go home at night from Washington, D.C. He's, you know, Delaware's great, great uh, contribution to, to America, whether you like it or not. The idea that Trump's Influence, presence, atmospherics are not relevant in Delaware in 2023 is, is absurd. Of course it is. Um, and uh, this judge seems to have been ruling anti-Trump down the line. Although Fox is not pro-Trump, the issue in the case, whether or not the election was stolen, whether or not the Dominion um, machines uh, could have contributed to a false election outcome. Those are all Trump issues. Uh, you can't think about issues like that without thinking about Donald Trump. It's like, you know, don't think about an elephant in the room. Don't think about a, you know, 7,700 pound gorilla in the room. Donald Trump is the gorilla in every room involving the 2020 election. So, um, I, I believe that Trump played a role. I think Trump, you know, is amazing in that he plays a role in everything that's going on in America today. The media, which generally doesn't like him, uh, 
increases and enhances his influence in every aspect of life. Sometimes it's a negative influence. Sometimes it's a positive influence. Sometimes you can't label it positive or negative, but it's there. He is in the room. He is in the atmosphere. He is in the minds of judges and jurors. And so how did Fox Dominion <coughs> settlement affect Trump? And how did Trump affect the Fox Dominion settlement? We'll never know exactly, but I am confident that there, there was um, involvement and that there was influence. How will it influence Trump going forward? You know, Trump has to realize that he's not going to get fair trials. He's not going to get a fair trial in the District of Columbia. He's not going to get a fair trial in Manhattan. He may get a fair trial in Fulton County, Georgia. It's possible, maybe not. It depends on how jurors are selected. And he may get a fair trial in, um, in, in South Florida, um, in Palm Beach, in that area. It's possible. But no trial, whether fair or unfair, is going to be uninfluenced by Donald Trump. And so Donald Trump is looking at this settlement and saying to himself, you know, I have to think about these issues. He's not going to settle any cases, I assure you of that. Uh, and there may be some settlement offers. I can easily imagine a prosecutor saying, you know, if you don't run, uh, we won't prosecute you. That would be very unfair because that would be unfair to people who want to vote for him. I'm not included among that, but I want to have a right to vote against him. I don't want some prosecutor to decide who can run for president. Uh, that the president of El Salvador warned against that and said, you're lecturing us about being a banana Republican and you're prosecuting the Republican who's running against the Democrat and the person who's prosecuting him is a Democrat who ran for office on a get Trump platform. Again, I didn't invent this title. I'm not smart enough. I got this title from the attorney general of New York, the district attorney in New York, and the campaign pledges that both of them made. And the people who voted for attorneys general and district attorneys on a get Trump platform are likely committed to that promise and are likely to want to see the person they voted for keep that promise. And those are the jurors that Donald Trump will have to face unless the case is dismissed, which it should be, or moved out of Manhattan, which it should be. And so we'll see. We'll see whether justice is, is possible. The resolution of the, the Fox Dominion case, not good for the First Amendment, not good for freedom of speech, not good for the Seventh Amendment, not good for America. Maybe on balance, good for Fox. I don't know why. Certainly very good for Dominion. Apparently are making more money bringing lawsuits than counting votes. But um, uh, it, it will just encourage more and more of this defamation uh, litigation and selective application of the law. Uh, judges rule favorably often um, when the issue is against Trump and unfavorably when the issue is in favor of Trump. And I think you can demonstrate that up and down the line. That certainly was true in, 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 in Delaware. So... Um, Justice in America, it's in trouble. It's in deep, deep trouble. 
And the Trump phenomenon is part of the reason why it's in trouble. Get Trump has become a dominant influence on our legal system. And it's just the new McCarthyism. And uh, I have my two books from now, which I'm about halfway through writing, is called The New McCarthyism, and it deals with the influence of, uh, of Trump. The, oh, I also deal with the influence of uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and all of that, and how it's created a new segregation. Um, but that will be for a subsequent uh, uh, podcast. But for right now, the answer to my question, did Trump's presence influence the settlement and will the settlement influence the outcome of Trump cases? The answer is, is yes. And the answer is our legal system has not figured out yet how to deal with the phenomenon of Donald Trump without introducing very considerable unfairness into our rule of law. Okay, let's take some questions. Uh, let's see, there are some questions online that are coming in as we speak. So let me start with one of those. Hello, Alan Dershowitz. Can you explain why you are against the death penalty? So I've been against the death penalty since I'm like 13 or 14 years old. I um, had a cousin, a great rabbi uh, named Irving Kozlow. Um, whose son, ironically, is now one of my lawyers, a great lawyer. He had been one of my students. And he was the rabbi that performed what are the Jewish equivalent of the last rites on uh, the Rosenbergs, uh, Ethel and Julius Rosenberg, who were executed, Julius Rosenberg, uh, falsely for a crime that she didn't commit, and uh, Julius Rosenberg for a crime he did commit. But uh, a crime that didn't cause anywhere near the damage that uh, the government alleged uh, that he had caused. So I, I suspect that that involvement, um, close involvement in, in the death penalty of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, and people I knew in Brooklyn and Manhattan knew the Rosenbergs. Um, people forget they were, they were very young. They were in their early 30s. They had young uh, children, uh, and they were they were executed. Um, and I think that influenced my, my thinking. And then in high school, I debated um, capital punishment. Uh, I was the captain of the debating team. Big surprise. I was also at college, the captain of the debating team. Um, and capital punishment was always a big issue that was debated. And then when I became a law clerk, Justice Goldberg, for whom I clerked, threw a certiorari petition at me as I walked into his office and said, Alan, this is the petition that's going to end the death penalty in America. And he asked me to do a memorandum about the death penalty. And it's included in my next book. I have a book that will be published in the next few days. Um, and it's called Dershowitz on Killing, How the Law Decides Who Will Live and Who Will Die. Um, it, the title, uh, Who Shall Live and Who Shall Die, comes from the Yom Kippur service where um, Jews pray uh, to God saying, you know, on this day you decide who shall live and who shall die. In the secular world in which we live, it's the courts often that decide who shall live and who shall die. And 
that's what this book's about. And it has a chapter on the death penalty. And it has my original memorandum that I wrote for Justice Goldberg when I was, what, 20, uh, 24 years old. Uh, and it's in the book with all the grammatical and spelling mistakes that I tended to uh, make and all the sophomoric arguments that I made against the death penalty. But I've been against the death penalty for years for a lot of reasons. First, it's unfairly applied. Um, my clients don't get the death penalty. Um, people who can afford me, people who can afford good lawyers don't get the death penalty. The death penalty is for for people who can't afford good lawyers, who can't get good lawyers. Um, I know of no you know, wealthy defendant. And I do half my cases pro bono. In fact, all of my Almost all of my death penalty cases have been pro bono. I've had a couple that have been um, paid, but most of them have been pro bono. But uh, people who have good lawyers don't get the death penalty. The death penalty is not given for the most serious crimes. It's given for the worst lawyers. And um, there's still a racial component. It's still, when I was doing this memo, there had never been a white person executed for murdering a black person. Never, had never been such a case. And of course, many, many, many cases of black people being executed, not only for murdering white people, but for raping white people. And there have been many cases of mistaken identification. So I do think innocent people are subjected to the, to the death penalty and have been. Ethel Rosenberg was executed for something that she didn't do. Uh, she was not a spy. Um, and the evidence against her was manufactured. How do I know that? Because I was told it by the lawyer, Roy Cohen. Roy Cohen was very proud of the fact that he got Ethel Rosenberg sentenced to death for a crime she didn't commit. He believed that as a result of getting her sentenced to death, Julius Rosenberg would flip and name his handlers. He was a spy for the Soviet Union and he had handlers and, 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 he went to his death, refusing to disclose them. And she went to her death, refusing to urge him to disclose them. They were both totally committed, 100% uh, committed communists and Stalinists. Um, and I hold no brief for them on that. But she was executed as a hostage, essentially. And um, that strengthened my views against the death penalty. Even today, you're much more likely to be executed if you're a black man uh, than if you're a white woman or a black woman, or you're also more likely to be executed if you're from out of the state and killed somebody who is local. There are, they've done studies about what the factors are that really lead to a person being sentenced to death and executed. And the one thing that is not a factor is the seriousness of the crime. Uh, that's like 20th on the list. Um, and so I continue to be strongly opposed to the death penalty. Emotionally, you know, when I read about some of these horrible cases, I say to myself, oh, my God, I hope he slips on a banana peel and, and, and kills himself or walks in front of a truck. I have no sympathy for some of these people. But institutionally, the death penalty um, causes uh, more harm than it, than it, it solves. I, the death penalty can sometimes deter. I'm not one of those people who thinks it never can deter. There's a, there's a, a, a wonderful natural experiment that uh, proved it. In the last days of the Second World War, the Nazis continued to occupy Copenhagen, Denmark, and the Nazis imposed a law saying anybody who doesn't have blackout curtains, curtains that could prevent the Allies from 
getting light and seeing where the city and the city was. Anybody who doesn't have blackout curtains will be sentenced to life imprisonment. Didn't work, didn't deter anybody because everybody knew that life imprisonment meant a month because the allies were gonna win the war and free everybody in prison. Then the Germans said, anybody who don't have the blackout curtains will get immediately executed. And that of course deterred everybody and there were no cases of people uh, showing um, um, the light. So, you know, in an extraordinary, unusual situation like that, the death penalty can deter. Can it deter uh, emotional killings, people from killing, you know, uh, former lovers or uh, family members? I, I, the evidence of that is very, very unclear. Okay, so that's my view on the death penalty. Questions. Are settlements ever considered settled law or is it a standalone agreement between two or more parties? It's a standalone agreement. It's not settled law. You can't cite a settlement as precedent. But if you're thinking about making a settlement or thinking about litigating a case, you certainly will take into consideration settlements that have been made and uh, you'll look at them as practical, practical, but not legal Um uh, settlements, uh, uh, precedents. Okay, so Alan, it's corrupt for Delaware judges to pick each other, yet it's more than okay for Israel Supreme Court justices to do the same? No, it's not. And Israel justices, of course, don't do the same. In Israel, there's a commission um, and three judges, if I'm not mistaken, serve on the commission. If all three vote against a the candidate, they can veto a candidate, but they can't select a candidate, and that will almost certainly be changed. Um, by the way, the Supreme Court of Israel has been among the very, very best Supreme Courts in the world for years. Um, I mean, I've known justices in the Supreme Court of Israel uh, since the 1970s, uh, maybe even earlier. I think I met the first justice that I knew in 1962, uh, an American who from Chicago who had gone to uh, Israel and it was a great lawyer, and they made him a justice of the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court uh, has consisted of great, great justices because they're picked by a committee. And until at least recently, it was not disputed. They would just pick the very, very best people. Now there's obviously a great dispute, and there'll be some changes that will probably be made. Hey, Elon, please take good care of your dad. We need him. We need your voice. All right, Elon, you got the message. You got to take good care of me. He takes good care of me. Um, all right. A uh, lot of more questions. I'll save some of them for next week. We'll get more questions as we talk. But please listen again live now on Rumble, live on YouTube. And you can send me your questions live. And when I get more used to being able to read them and chew gum at the same time, um, I will read more of them as they come in live. Uh, see you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.